You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 171 and 172 of talking our way through the Bible. We are in the thick of it. Yeah. We're actually at a good point in, yeah, the, history, in the histories of Israel. Mm-hmm. Where are we, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 23, through chapter 9, verse 9. I liked how you said, verse 9. Verse 9. That was very peppy. Yeah. I'm still battling a little cold here. but yeah. I'm uh, trying to keep energy up. So we need your pep. Yeah. And uh, try not to touch the microphone, you know, with your mouth. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That never happens. Um, why would it? We're actually pretty far away from this amazing microphone that the Lord has provided. All right. So what's going on? So Hiram from Tyre. Yeah, I like it. That's how we're going to say it. <laughs> he is furnishing the temple, creating all the furniture and things. And he, we, in verse 23... He is creating the Great Sea. Yeah, the Great Sea. And so what I read was basically it's this huge basin of water, ornate, beautiful. It's about circa 12,000 gallons. Yeah. What's like a normal swimming pool? Do you know? I don't know, but it basically is a swimming pool. It's 45 feet uh, in diameter, right? Yes. And uh, 15 feet deep. Okay, so it's a nice old-fashioned pool with a diving board. Basically. And it's there, I'm imagining it's there for not only beauty, but it's a functional... Yeah, it's, it's, for, the priests, it's for the priests to cleanse themselves, ceremonial. So it's next to the altar, the huge altar. So mm-hmm. you got to kind of picture, look it up online or pictures of this stuff, because it gives you, um, especially pictures that have, like in our Bible, we have pictures with little men. Mm-hmm. It gives you the idea of uh, how massive... And expansive this is. So it serves to kind of um, highlight the the majesty of God, but also has a functional purpose. Now, the author goes into great detail. Like, he's kind of enamored with how it all all works. I do like, uh, so you have 12 oxen holding up the basin, uh, iron oxen, and there's three three uh, facing each direction, and it's the same organization as the Israelites were organized around the tabernacle when they were setting camp in the wilderness, which is really cool. Dude, I wonder, too, if it's like the 12 tribes, they're a kingdom of priests kind of called to baptize the world, you know, cleanse it. Yeah. Only not in judgment, in salvation, not like the first time, but the second time. Anyway, Uh, it's pretty cool. It's called the sea, giant swimming pool, there for a lot of reasons. And then uh, then they have 10 mobile basins, water basins, that mm-hmm. uh, they can push around. And these, he goes into great detail because the mechanisms yeah. of how these would That's move around and wheel around was like super detailed. But one of the things I liked about it was they were decorated with uh, lions and oxen. Right. And I was like, wait, that means something. It sounds familiar. And... Traditionally, the tribe of Judah, their standard was a lion, mm-hmm. and then the tribe of Ephraim, their standard was an ox. Okay. And so Ephraim is technically the firstborn of Israel and has the birthright of Israel. And so what I see here is oh. just the symbolism of 
the ox of Israel and the lion of Judah, because that's the tribe of the kings, is just being represented on these little basins. Okay. Mobile basins. Which, again, I, like all these little details are just like coming at me now yeah. that I've, I'm familiar with the story. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I the, get it. And the idea of water and calm water mm-hmm. and cleansing. I mean, it's like so packed, we could probably do a special on the theme of water. Right. But it's a big deal at the permanent residence of the Ark of the Covenant, which is then, in, in chapter 8, you move mm-hmm. into the fact that Solomon is building a permanent place no longer will the presence of God be in a tent moving from place to place, mm-hmm. but it's going to be permanent. And so then it just goes into uh, bringing the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant into. So they're very careful. And Solomon is following all the rules, uh, even down to the poles that carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant at this point only has the two tablets in it, right? The two tablets. Uh, yeah, of, the uh, two tablets and... They do just list that. They didn't say anything about Aaron's staff, did they? Aaron's staff or manna. Yeah, so I, think, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I think, I think it. in Chronicles it's mentioned. Because yeah. I think there's a jar of manna that's still fresh and Aaron's budding staff that's in it. But what's cool, though, is uh, there's a reappearance of something we have not heard or seen for a while. Mm. And it's the cloud. like this. So as they bring it in... You hit the whole yes. place gets filled with the cloud okay. so that they couldn't even see each other. So mm-hmm. God shows up. And I, I can't remember the last time God's presence, even with David, like the presence of God in a cloud mm-hmm. over the tabernacle hasn't happened since before the judges, it feels like. Right. It's been a solid 480 years, like mm-hmm. or 450 at least, since like the presence of God has been tangible. And especially like this. So this same presence was the same like when they dedicated the tabernacle. Yes. And even Moses couldn't go in because the cloud was so thick. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, it's the same scenario. And then I feel like it, it kind of repeats itself um, at Pentecost. Yeah, oh, perfect. Um, so it's yeah. God is there. He's with Solomon. He's setting apart the temple. And, um, and then he re- basically he does a prayer of remembering that all the good things that God has done. So we know Solomon's on the right track. Not only politically, but religiously or, or relationally with mm-hmm. God, everybody's kind of in the right place. Mm-hmm. And so he remembers, and you know you're in the right place when you are able to, with humility, recall that the reason you are where you are is because of God. Yes. And I see Solomon doing that. Like, yes. I'm here because the promise you made to my dad, because we uh, have surrounded around your word. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to pray the dedication prayer, which goes from Verse 22 to 53, which I think oh, is man. It's so, so good. good. And I love because he's doing it in front of the people. Right. Like he's really being a king in this moment. Well, and here's what I've I boiled it down to. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, his request is we're going to sin. Yes. And we're going to sin in a bunch of different ways. And so his main dedication is that will you be, will your name be on us? Will your eyes see us? Will your ears hear us? Mm-hmm. Will you? Will your heart be for us? Mm-hmm. Even uh, not just when we sin, but when we repent of our sins. Yes. And so he's asking on behalf of the people, like as a shepherd, like we are going to sin. He doesn't even try to fake it. Like, oh, we're here for you. He's like, oh, God, have mercy on yes. us when we repent, when we get separated from you, when the land rejects us, when the temple rejects us, when we repent, will you hear us? And then... I mean, that's the whole prayer. I, I don't know if you have anything else to say. Uh, bring do, forgiveness. Bring presence. I do have, I like um, verse 27, but will God indeed dwell on earth? 
Yeah. Uh, Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less than this house I've built? Yeah, recognizing it's not enough. It's not enough. And then also just the question, can God dwell on earth? And a foreshadowing of God will dwell on earth as a man in the form of Jesus. Well, the other foreshadowing, too, is as he's doing all this, they're sacrificing thousands Mm -hmm. of ox and bull, all the things, peace offerings. And it says... They sacrificed too many to keep count of. Which mm-hmm. remember now, this what this is saying is that um, showing that all the sins, the sins that are too many to be counted for, are being forgiven and mm-hmm. atoned for. So the sacrifice is atonement. So not only are these things being prayed and asking for the forgiveness and the presence, but the forgiveness is then being uh, poured out continually right, right. over and over again, prefiguring really mm-hmm. the one sacrifice for all. That yes. Christ will be with us. Christ will walk the earth, and Christ will make us the temple of God. That's mm-hmm. what's. I think reading how ornate and beautiful and set apart, recognizing what we're reading in Acts, like the Holy Spirit then dwells in oh, us. Oh, tabernacles within us, and we it, are the ornate, set apart temple. But even better than what mm-hmm. Solomon built. But what could be better than that? And so, like, just settling into the reality that we are the temple of God, mm-hmm. that we are the new creation, the place where he has chosen to dwell. Um, but for me, it goes in chapter 9, where um, yeah. th- it wraps it all up for me, because this is where God appears or talks to Solomon yes, and says, I've heard you. Mm-hmm. I've heard your prayer. Um, and then he says, my name will be on you, my eyes, my ears, my heart will be there for you all time, forever. Mm-hmm. Now, ex- just make sure you walk with me. Yeah. You know? It's a relationship. But th- that's the thing that uh, the Holy Spirit indwelling us is I was, it kind of led my prayer this morning. Like, God, thank you that your name is, it's like marriage, right? Yeah. Like, there's a real marriage. The name, mm-hmm. we get the name, we get, like my wife sees what's going on in my face, in my my yeah. life, she hears what's going on, mm-hmm. and she she knows my heart and I know her heart and that we have this with God. And so the idea that his name, his eyes, his ears are very important, you know, and don't worship other gods. Cause if you do, uh, the, the very house of God and the land of God will put you out of sight until you repent and are able to get back into this relationship. So I think it's a high point. Yeah. It's like the highest point. So what is this? First Kings chapter nine. Just remember that in your brain. Like, in 1 Kings, we are at the highest point the, of Israel's reign. Yes. The kingdom of priests are in full effect, outwardly and inwardly. It's all good. So that's happy. Let's, let's actually end... Israel in full effect. Let's end the, the Old Testament on a happy note, because uh, we don't get many of those. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Here we go. Let's go to the New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 13, verse 42 through chapter 14. Oh yeah, so Paul was in the middle of his uh, discourse with the Jews of the synagogue. Yeah. Um, He's straightforward. He's like, he is tough love guy because he loves these people, but he can do he can do things that I can't when he just is so... In your face, like, you guys did this, you're evil, mm-hmm. um, but you have a chance to be saved. I mean, it's really great. I'm glad. I, I'm trying to work that out in my own life, like, times where I just need to be 
really honest with the people I love and not go, well, it's okay, and you're good. It's like, no, you're not good. <laughs> yeah, so he's he just ended his uh, presentation of the gospel, right. tying it from the Old Testament to the New, or to this new era, to Christ. And he's saying, like, don't be the scoffers and mm-hmm. the ones, like, don't be the classic people you are who reject this, like I was. Mm-hmm. See, that's why he's so bold. And so he and Barnabas leave, and everyone's begging him, like, wait, wait, no, you should come back and uh, speak at the next Sabbath day, and let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's keep this going. Like, this is awesome. We need to hear more. And so at first it's really well received, and then it's even more received because right. uh, now whole... Gentiles start crowding into the synagogue. Yes. And this is where some of the Jewish members of the synagogue flip Dude, that's, that's a good point, though. I don't always imagine it like that. You're right. Like, you have to imagine, you almost imagine one of our old churches, beautiful old building mm-hmm. that's not well attended, and then all of a sudden, people who aren't Catholic or Lutheran or Baptist yeah. start filling that place. Right. And it's not quite the people the leadership want. You're mm-hmm. like, wait, what are these people doing? Right. You don't like this. Your new teaching is, something's off. Because all of a sudden, we're... We're bulging, and this is how all happened in, in Pisidian Antioch, right? Yes. And so, um, so the whole city, it says, is gathering and wanting to hear more. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when that happens, the existing confusion or leadership realizes, wait, this is nice that they're all coming to the synagogue, but now they're using our resources, yeah. and we don't really have control over them, and we're jealous of the people who do, of Paul and Barnabas. Mm-hmm. So the jealousy then stirs up and always works itself out in... Fear and violence. Yes. And so then they end up, um, do they, they don't stone, they just persecute him, right? Uh, they just, they start complaining and they're trying to work against Paul. Yeah. And then Paul gets up and speaks against them and says, uh, no, we are, you guys are, you guys have turned away from God right. and the good news. And so we're going to turn to the Gentiles, and he says, That's right. he quotes scripture saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles hear that, they begin rejoicing and glorifying God, and, um, and oh. the word of the Lord spreads to the region, but then... That's what it is. You just get, There's so much implicit thousands of years of Gentiles are dirty dogs. Yes. We don't deal with them. Yes. And so, yeah, this is the uh, transition, a really hard transition mm-hmm. into it. So it's a, Yeah, it's a racial transition. Total racial tension. So imagine, mm-hmm. like, it's switching, but mm-hmm. in a good God way. Not switching power structures, mm-hmm. but switching God-pleased structures. Like, yes. like, we're with you now. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you're not. How can you just come into this thing and be good? Mm-hmm. You got to do what we've done. Ah, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, and then the Jews of that synagogue start getting all the people in power in yeah. that city to turn against Paul and Barnabas, and they persecute Paul and Barnabas. And this is where they they leave uh, the city, and they do the classic dust the feet, yeah, dust they, your sho- they're the like, shoes off. Our work is done here. We're shaking off the dust. Mm-hmm. Fine, we'll leave, but it's going to hurt you guys, mm-hmm. but we're not going to be hurt by it. Yes. Even though the temptation would be like, why don't you guys like us? Right. But they're uh, following the Holy Spirit. They're full of joy. And then they're led to um, the next city, which is Iconium. Yeah. 
And uh, they enter that, and again, they go to the Jewish synagogue. Yes. Which is great to realize. It's always going to the centers of where the true God is worshipped, mm-hmm. and a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But again, the unbelieving Jews stirred up, stirred up the Gentiles this time, mm-hmm. and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. Right. So now that it's just the same thing is happening, but now it's like, who can we get? Who can we confuse? Mm-hmm. The last city, it was the position, high, highly valued people of the Jewish community. Now it's the Greeks. And, um, and then the town gets divided yeah. uh, between Paul and the Jewish authorities. And so they, Paul and Barnabas find out that, oh, the, <laughs> the party against us wants to stone us. So they get out of the city and they go to Lystra and but Derby. They did see a bunch of signs and wonders yeah, there. Yeah, like God's still are, working yeah, God's and doing working. amazing stuff. But it is interesting to remember that just because God may work miracles through you, yeah, doesn't mean people are going to receive or believe. I know, it's crazy. We we want to That's what uh well we'll get to the end of it, but that's the theme I see through this is that the theme as a person of God, as a Christian, mm-hmm. we, we all want to see, I want to see people healed, I want to see people saved, mm-hmm. I want to see people delivered, I want to see miracles happen for the faith. But what comes with that right. is crazy. It's, you get to see, the people of God get to see that, but they also get to see <laughs> being hated for that. Right, which... In the it's, th- the double, it's the double side. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to see God work? Great. But you're also going to see... The people who hate God. The like, devil work against you. It's like the when you heat something up, the cream rises, or what is it? Yeah. You know, the, whatever, that, who cares? But it rises, so it's mm-hmm. like you get to see it and taste it, but then you get the fallout of it, which is uh, people, not everybody lo- loves Jesus. Right. And uh, so in the next city, Lystra... He's not stoned in... Um, well, okay, so here it is, right? It's Lystra. Oh, it is Lystra. Okay, um, so Iconium, he goes to Lystra <clears throat> and Derby. Yes. Okay. And so he sees a, a crippled man yeah. from birth, and he, he pulls a Peter, a Jesus. This is very, like, an apostolic thing to do. Yeah. He looks at the man, perceives, like, this man wants to believe. And so he just tells him, get up yeah. and walk. And the man gets up and walks, and everyone freaks out. Out. Yeah. And they instantly declare uh, Barnabas is Zeus and Paul is Hermes. These are our Greek gods come down to earth. And then the priest of Zeus is coming out to sacrifice like bulls and stuff to them. Yeah. And, and again, they're speaking in another language. So Paul and Barnabas are kind of slow to understand what's happening. Right. And then finally, when I think the priest is coming out with all the... The garland and the ox yeah. and like to offer... Well, what's funny is... And they're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I used this when I was a long time ago teaching uh, social studies. I used this passage because the public school loves... We have to always teach about um, Zeus and mm-hmm. all those gods. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do we always teach? And I was always just like, why do we have to teach about all these gods from Rome and Greece... Mm-hmm. And not, we never teach, like, our God. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny. But I use this to say, look, people actually worshipped. And for me, I remember thinking, oh, that Zeus stuff? Right. Like, that was real. Right, it was. It was very real. And so, to the point where you have, a, a, in the Bible, it's verifying that it's real. And, mm-hmm. and so, I always thought it's funny, though. Barnabas was quiet and much better looking. Yes. And so, you figure he's Zeus because Zeus has Hermes. If you've ever watched um, 
Hercules, right? Yes. You see little Hermes. He's Paul Schaefer from the David Letterman. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, Hermes is like the more unattractive speaker on behalf of Zeus. Mm-hmm. So that's what they assume and they imagine. And they're going to worship Paul and Barnabas. And they have to go, no, no, no. Which, again, I love keeps, keeps with the theme. Mm-hmm. That all the people of God never receive worship. No. They're like, don't bow. I'm just a man. We saw it with Peter. Yeah. We've seen it. Uh, we'll see it again in Revelation. But um, turn to the living God. So the way he preaches to them is a little different. Like mm-hmm. all the, the provision you've had through nature is from our God. Mm-hmm. It's not from Zeus and Hermes. Yeah. And so they are barely able to restrain the people from sacrificing to them. And then... It flips. It flips. It instantly flips. So yes. everyone's like ready to worship them and make them gods. And then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium follow Paul and Barnabas to this to Lystra. Right. Because they are determined to destroy this guy's life. And so And so they do not like it when they see this place is worshiping them. Basically on the verge of worshiping them. So they But show, gives them ammunition too. Yeah. So they show up and turn flip the crowds on them and so they drag Paul out of the city and stone him. Yeah. And then just leave him from dead. So the idea here is they threw giant rocks at him until they were pretty sure Paul was dead. It wasn't like I like he looked dead. Yeah. This is something that they do. They are more familiar with death than we are and mm-hmm. so Paul basically looked dead, and he was a dead person outside of the city. And the disciples who were following him gather around him the next day. Yeah. And he just gets up, wipes himself off, walks back into the city. And then he and Barnabas are like, all right, let's go to the next one. And they encourage, like they get, (laughs) and from all this, there are disciples that are born from it. Yes. And so then, that's the thing that's shocking to me. It's like, you guys are amazing. We've seen you do, we've seen the power of God mm-hmm. work through you. And it's not rejected immediately. It's confused. And then all of a sudden it's turned from, we want to worship you as God to now let's kill you. Let's kill you. Which this is the spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. And this is why a lot of us are scared to follow God sometimes. Like we don't want to go all out because it we, might bring with it mm-hmm. some suffering. Yeah. But the original guys, the guys who are our leaders, the disciples and apostles, they rejoiced in this suffering. They were able to go, we saw the work of God, and of course we're suffering because we saw with our own eyes how they killed a man who could restore someone who was dead, who could mm-hmm. raise the dead, who could restore blindness. Like, mm-hmm. So if they hate us because we healed a, a man, um, that's awesome. We are All in the right. line of Jesus. So that's kind of the rub for me at reading this is like, oh, I definitely want to see the miracles, but then I quickly crumble under, why aren't people liking me? Why don't they trust me? Mm-hmm. Why are they wanting to destroy my ministry? All I've done is try to help. Right. I should be rejoicing going, oh, yeah, this is it, but I'm learning and God's gracious with me. Uh, yeah. So Paul survives. I think it's a bit of a miracle. I think it is a miracle. I think God's Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. with him and is healing him. He's like, I'm not done with you. Yeah. Like, Keep going. These people don't take your life. I have a time for your life. Yes. Not them. So off to Derby, and he gets up. He doesn't say, whoa, this is too intense. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's go to Derby. Yeah. So more converts, now back, and then after they do more converts in Derby, anything cool happen there? In uh, Syria, they appoint Italy? elders, and they do some prayer and fasting, yeah. and, and then, uh, then they go back 
They go back to all the churches, yeah. all the cities that they had been basically driven out of. They go back and make sure that all the disciples in those places are good. And then they finally go back to um, the original Antioch that they started yeah. in and report back to the church leaders there. All that God had done with them and how he's opened a door to faith mm-hmm. with the Gentiles. So that door, you're a trailblazer to the Gentiles, is not easy. Mm-hmm. But it's empowered by the gospel, by Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And so all the marks of Jesus are with them. There's healing and there's suffering. But um, it says they remained no little time with the disciples. I, I think it's cool how they went back and encouraged everybody. And that's what we're doing on Sundays. That's what we're doing during the week. It's like, let's go out. Let's minister to the, the places where God puts us and then gather together to encourage one another and uh, kind of be empowered. But all of this is for us. Mm-hmm. To save the Gentiles, it's pretty amazing. So, cool. Today we're going to end with Psalm 76. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains of prey. The south-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep, all the men of war. They were unable to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? For the heavens you... From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth, surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.